morning, Spirit Church. We are so excited you're here to worship with us today. Stand your feet and join us. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind away? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb. Till I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You called my name, and I ran out of that Your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. Come on, sing it out. The old made new. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, oh, you called my name. the darkness into your glorious day you call my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious All right, help me sing this out. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen on, of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You call my Day. 
What a glorious day. Come on, thank him. Thank him as he calls your name. Amen. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for victory, Jesus. It comes from you. You've called our names. You've made us victorious. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. Come on, let's sing it out. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Come on, every voice. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Yeah. It's his battle. He's already won. He's already won. Come on, if you believe it today. Let's sing it together, come on. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Every war he wages, he will win. Oh, I'm not backing down from any giants. Cause I know how this story ends. Come on, if you know it, sing it loud. Yes, I know how this story ends. Come on. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. facing today it's time to surrender it to him he's already won he is above all things come on if you know it sing it out you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good come on every voice you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good. Come on, he's taking it all. Sing it out. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take it all. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. 
turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see a victory. Sing it out, church. For the battle, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. So I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Yes, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for victory in your name. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Our prayer team's moving down to the front right now. If you need victory in your life and somebody to agree with you in faith, we'd love to come down and pray with you. Just step out of your seat right now as Letty leads us in this next song. Let the power of God come in and move in your heart and your life. If you're comfortable, let's just lift our hands to him and thank him for what he's doing. We bless you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. You alone are worthy of praise. Who else would rocks cry out to worship? Whose glory taught the stars to shine? Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing. This
You alone deserve our praise. You're the 
continue for a moment. Let's just continue seeking him. God, we love you. God, we worship you this morning. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Lord, we give you honor. We give you glory. God, you are deserving of it all. God, we just thank you for this moment this morning that we spend together, God, just worshiping you. Let's just take another 30 seconds. Let's just continue seeking him. God, we love you. God, we are thankful for you. God, you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, Lord, in this moment, God, we have that we can just gather together just to worship you, to seek you, God, to give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise that you deserve, Lord. God, I pray that every word from our mouths are, are our glory and honor and praise to you. God, we love you. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What an incredible morning so far. Uh, and God, the presence of, of God is so real in this place. We're so honored that you choose to spend your Sunday morning with us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and, and turn to someone next to you, meet them and greet them, and go ahead and have a seat this morning.
everybody. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty, and we're so glad you're here. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church slash connect or spirit.church slash guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't put any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church give. Or, as always, you can give on your Spirit Church app. Spirit Church, it's because of your generosity that we are able to keep reaching the least, last, and lost in our community. Now I've got a couple announcements for you. Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, and we can't wait to celebrate all the lives that are made new in Jesus. If you'd like to sign up to be baptized, you can do so on our website at spirit.church slash sign up. And lastly, next Sunday, Spirit Youth is hosting Red, White, and Boom at 5.30 p.m. All 6th through 12th graders are invited to join us for this night of lawn games, food on the grill, and fun with friends. Dress in your best red, white, and blue and make plans to join us. Spirit Church, we love you. Thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to continue our message series, Tell Me Why. Spirit Church, so glad that you're here today. How about Pastor Daniel and Emily and Corinne in the video? Oh, I love showing it. I love showing it. It's so great. Hey, we're going to dive right into the Word in just a second, but before we do, I want to give you a quick Spirit Church update, just let you know some of the good things that God is doing here at the church. Everything we're trying to do this year and even into next year is centered around those words that you see on the screens this morning. Reach one more. Come on, shout it out. Reach one more. That's right. That's what we're trying to do. And so here's some of the things that God has been doing and some of the things that you have been helping us do. We did our Hope for Tomorrow outreach right at the end of May where we had families come through our drive through We were able to serve 394 families that day with groceries and household items and bless them. So thank you to our volunteers who did that. The very next day, we had Brad Rosenberg from Convoy of Hope who was here. He talked to us about the importance of caring about the poor and the needy because they're dear to God's heart. And because of your giving on that Sunday, we were able to send $20,000 to our partners at Convoy of Hope so that they could continue the work that they are doing. Thank you so much for that. Our Next Generation ministry team has been outstanding here recently. We had VBS the first part of the month of June. Pastor Sherry led our team there. It was amazing. So many of you volunteered and served. We had such an awesome time. And almost every single night, we had 100 kids that were here. Many of them said yes to Jesus on the last night of VBS, which is what is all about. It's so exciting to see God working. I was with my friend uh, Jim the other day having breakfast, and he said, praying for you at VBS, Pastor, because I was reached 
through a VBS ministry. And so we believe in what God is doing in the next generation. This past week, we sent our students to youth camp. We had them down front. Last Sunday, we asked you to pray for Pastor Daniel and Emily and the team that went down to camp. Robin and I were able to go on Wednesday night and be a part of the service. And I'm telling you, the power of God was so present in that room. God's spirit was moving and touching hearts and lives between leaders and students. We had 62 people that we sent off to camp. More than we could put on a bus, we had to send a bus and a van and we had uh, five or six rooms next year we're going to have eight or ten rooms because they're doing such an amazing job under their leadership but pastor daniel is very exhausted so is emily um, but he told me that we had multiple students called into missions and several baptized in the holy spirit this week at camp and so we praise god for that it's amazing what god is doing a couple of things really quick that are upcoming that I need to let you know about. Next Sunday, when you're here, obviously Baptism Sunday, so don't miss out on that. We'll talk more about it in a minute. But I'm gonna invite you to help me pray over the Alaska team. Our Alaska team leaves a week from Monday. They're heading to Bethel, Alaska. We'll spend the 4th of July in Anchorage, so that'll be really, really neat. Sun sets most days at about 12.20 in the morning and comes back up at about 5.20 in the morning and uh, never really gets totally dark. But yesterday, when it was like 178 degrees here in Bartlesville, uh, the temperature was 64 in Bethel. Yeah, and we're going to be there. We're going to be there. I feel the Lord in that. But we're going to invite you to pray over that team because God is sending an awesome team. We have 22 people that are going to Bethel. And thank you for already giving. We've sent the money and the funds and the resources there. So we're excited to get up there. The one trip I need your help with is the Ecuador trip. Maybe God is speaking to you about September 7th through the 14th, going with us to Cuenca, Ecuador, two teams that are going. I need a construction team that can help us renovate a space that will become a church and a counseling center. It'll have two purposes there. And then I need some children's ministry workers, just some people who can love on kids. Maybe you don't serve in our kids' ministry right now, but you're willing to go love on some kids who have either been orphaned or who have special needs. That's who we're targeting in that outreach. And our missionaries, Tom and Becky Davis, who are there, they're gonna help us. They've got the contacts and can get us in with the right people. So would you pray about that? We still need some folks that can go. Because of your giving with this trip, we've already sent $25,000 worth of supplies and resources so all the materials there we just need the people to go and do the work so let the Lord speak to you about that you can sign up on our website spirit.church you scroll down to events and signups and you can sign up and register for that and last right before I get into the message I want to talk about our construction update our home for the next 100 years project we did a big push we uh uh, had you commit to it, and several of you did that. Um, we're going to have our groundbreaking in the next couple of months. I wish I could give you an exact date of when that's going to happen, but we just don't know exactly yet. But I will tell you this. The architect is doing a great job. The construction management team is doing a great job. They're really paying attention to detail, and we're trying to pay attention to detail as well because like I told you a few weeks ago, right now it's really cheap to get out an eraser and make a change, but down the line it's going to be real expensive to do that. So we're trying to make sure that we get everything right before we do that. They've started ordering long lead items like steel. We're going to work on seating, air conditioning units, how we're going to get power to the building, all those things. I want to thank you because, as I said, many of you have pledged to this project, and we had almost $900,000 worth of pledges or commitments, and so far, just since the month of May, we've already received $133,000 that have come in for that project. This week, 
I met with our business administrator, Laura, and I found out that a, a significant amount of that $133,000 has come from people who have not filled out a commitment card. So the answer is yes, you can absolutely give to this project without filling out a commitment card. If you want to fill out a commitment card, the answer is yes, you can absolutely fill out a commitment card and pledge to this project. Either way, thank you so much for your giving. We're seeing God move. Look around you at the crowd that's here on a summer Sunday. It's because we have air conditioning, right? It's too hot to be outside, but we are so glad that you're here. Go ahead and stand to your feet, if you will. We're getting right into the message, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Thank you to our volunteers who are manning our quotation stations today. If you've memorized this verse or if you memorize it while I'm communicating the message over the next 29 minutes and 41 seconds, then you can step out in between services and you could win a $5 Jude's gift card and sister Houston is right back here in the very back row and she has already quoted it this morning and I'm not going to say how old she is but she's a little bit older than me and if she can memorize it and quote it anybody can the exception is she got to quote it in King James okay sometimes this age gives you some privileges so she had memorized it in King James and she got it right 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 would you say it with me one two three Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. You know, the whole series is really based on that line right there, correctly explaining the word of truth. We need more correct explanations of the word of truth now than we ever have at any time in our history. And that's why we're taking time. That's why we're emphasizing why do we do the things we do? Why do we believe the ways that we believe? Because we need a generation of people who can articulate their faith to people who have questions. The thing that I love is that people still have questions about Jesus. They still want to know. They still are seeking, and we have to be people who can correctly, or as King James would say, rightly divide the word of truth for them. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you that this is your word. It's your truth to us. Through the Bible, you speak to us. You challenge us, and you change us, and you make us more like you. Help us, God, as we study these topics to correctly explain the word of truth to a world and to a generation and to a culture that is seeking truth. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. This morning, Holy Spirit, would your voice fill this room and would nobody even hear me? Would they just hear from you? That's what we need. We need to hear from you today and we praise you for that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give someone a high five as you're seated. It's a great day to be in church today. So glad that you're with us. So today, we're answering the question, why do we do churchy things? Have you ever thought about all the churchy things that we do that, that really don't get done anywhere else in society? We, we baptize people in water. Maybe we do that sometimes in a swimming pool. We take communion together. You don't see that happening anywhere else. We're really staunchy about praying the Lord's Prayer together. We believe in the unity that's there. We're, we're so dogmatic in our insistence that Scripture is inspired of God, that it guides and directs our lives. We're passionate about coming together to attend church. So why do we do churchy things? Well, I'll give you the, the answer before I even get to the end. Because we're churchy people. And I'm not talking about chicken. We're churchy people. 
It took y'all a second, didn't you? See, that's what happens when I don't talk about Chick-fil-A. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. We're churchy people. We love to be in church and in God's presence with God's people, experiencing his power and all that he has for us. So let's talk about why we do churchy things. First off, why do we emphasize scripture? Why do we emphasize scripture so strongly? You've heard me say time and time again, I will not preach opinion or ideas or hypothesis or conspiracy theories. I will only preach from the word. That's all that I'll allow to be preached in our church. And here's why, because the Bible is truth. It's filled with God's truth. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. In essence, he was praying for you and I. And he said these words, he's praying to his father in heaven, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus said of the scripture, of the Bible, it is truth. And he prayed that the father would help us to understand his word which is truth. Did you know, and you probably did, that the Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors on three different continents who wrote in three different languages, but the message of the Bible remains consistent from front cover to back cover. When we were younger, we played the telephone game and we would whisper something into the first person's ear and they would whisper something into the second and we'd go around the circle and very rarely would we get the same message by the time it got to the end of the circle as it was when it started. Did you know that in your Bible, it is the same consistent message all the way through from the front cover to the back. God's word is truth and that's why we emphasize it. The Bible though doesn't just say that it's true. The world affirms that the Bible is true. You say, hold on. The word argues the world argues that the word is not truth. Well, it does, but it does that while the Bible is the best selling, most studied, most criticized, yet most accurate, most relevant book that has ever been written. The Bible encourages our faith in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Paul writes that faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. What that means for you and I is the more we are in the word, more that we're reading our Bible, the more that we're memorizing scripture, the more that we're paying attention to what God is saying, the more our faith is being strengthened and bolstered and built on the foundation of the word of God. The word of God not only encourages or increases our faith, but the word of God keeps us on God's path. It's so easy to deviate off the path when we let ourselves be in charge and we let ourselves lead. But here's what Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. If you've ever been outside and it's dark and there's not a lot of lights, you, you need those. In fact, uh, when we were coming back from youth camp on Wednesday night, we came through portions of Tulsa where the power hadn't been restored from the storms. And it's amazing how dark some sections of Tulsa can be, and it's amazing how desperate for light you can be when you're in darkness. Well, thankfully, when we have the word of God, we always have light that guides our path and that orders and directs our footsteps. So why do we emphasize scripture so strongly? Because scripture is truth from heaven. It encourages us, it strengthens our faith, and God speaks to us through scripture. In my role, I oftentimes get to be with people in what Pastor Darrell would call their most vulnerable moments of life. He actually told the staff this one time before I came on, and they've passed this message down to me, is that people invite us in 
to some of their most vulnerable moments, and it's a privilege. It's a privilege to do a wedding ceremony. It's a privilege to be there and pray with a family before their baby is born. It's a privilege to be in a hospital room with a family who's about to see their loved one go through a surgery or to speak at a funeral service. It's a privilege to be invited into these vulnerable moments of life. And you know what I love to do in those vulnerable moments of life? Because most of my life, I try to refer on humor. I can't rely on good looks. I'm kind of offended that people laughed at that. <laughs> and my humor's okay at best. <laughs> Point proven. But do you know what always works? The Word of God. The Word of God. And you know, time and time again, I'll walk into a hospital room with a family that's either nervous about a surgery or I'll walk into a home where a loved one has just passed away. One of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 8, and I'll pull out my Bible or my phone, and I'll begin to read Romans chapter 8. And you know, when you speak the word of God, peace and comfort enter that circumstance and that situation. I'm convinced that we don't speak the word of God enough. In fact, if you hear me pray often enough, you'd be amazed at how much I'm just repeating scripture. I'm just quoting scripture, and I'm not trying to remind God of anything. I'm trying to remind myself of what God has already told me. He's true to his word. In fact, he says that his word will not return void. It goes out and accomplishes exactly what he sends it to do. But sometimes my heart and my spirit, and especially my mind, needs to be reminded that God is for us and not against us, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Could anything ever separate us from the love of God which is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord? I'm convinced that neither angels nor demons nor heaven nor hell, nothing in all creation could separate us from the love of God which is revealed to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. None of those words that I make up, they all came from Scripture. And the more that we speak Scripture, the more that we welcome Christ and God's presence into our lives. There's a group of islands in the Atlantic Ocean. They're called the Canary Islands. They've got eight major islands that make up this chain. One of them is called La Palma. And in La Palma, there's a volcano and a telescope that sits on top of the volcano. It sits at 7,870 feet above sea level. In other words, the top of the telescope is above the cloud layer. And so this telescope is able to see things that most telescopes could not see. It sees the northern and the southern hemisphere. And astronomers love to be there because they get those unobstructed views and they see things that they otherwise wouldn't. The Bible the Word of God, the Scripture, is our telescope. It provides us with vision beyond our human abilities. Now, the telescope in the Canary Islands has an unobstructed look at the heavens, but the Bible gives us an unobstructed view of realities that we otherwise could not know. The Bible supersedes our human perspective. It changes, uh, it changes our thoughts and who we are, and it stands in contrast to some of these wrong cultural opinions that we face today. The Bible presents God and presents his eternal truth. And the more that we read the Bible, the better we understand God. And the better we understand God, the more we become like him. So we emphasize and we prioritize scripture because the word provides clarity and scripture always speaks to us. Secondly, why do we prioritize church attendance? Well, I'm just being honest with you. I love going to church. Anybody else? I, I love going to church. I have spent more time in church than I have any other place except my house. 
literally my whole life I've been in church. I went to church, uh, I went to Christian school at my church for about seven years while I was growing up. I've worked in and for churches since I was 20 years old. And let me tell you, I've seen some wacky stuff happen at churches. I've seen a pastor get up to preach and there was a lady with a cardboard cutout of Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger, sitting on the front row. Don't y'all ever, ever do that to me. Ever, never, because I got a lot of Walker, Texas Ranger jokes, you know, going through my mind. Don't ever Chuck Norris me while I'm trying to preach. I haven't just seen wacky stuff happen in church. I've seen some unbelievable things happen in church. Amazing things. People that you would say they're too far gone. They'll never make it. God's given up on them. God's never given up on anybody. Sicknesses and diseases that were supposedly uncurable, there's nothing that God can't do. Marriages that were supposedly broken down and God brought them back together. People who were divorced who come to me and said, we've decided that we're supposed to be back together. We want to get remarried. I'll do it right now. If you've been divorced and you want to get remarried and God's doing that work of restoration, come on, honey, get to the altar. When we get together, God does amazing things in our midst. I love coming together in worship. And why do we prioritize church attendance? Here's one reason. We're better together. We're better together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, you need the church, but the church needs you. Other people need you, but you need other people. We're better when we're together. Why do we prioritize church attendance? Because going to church gives you joy. It makes you happy when you go to church. Psalm 122, verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, next week, when your alarm goes off on church day, I want you to remember that you were glad when the alarm said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not I was mad, not I was too tired, I was frustrated. No, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And think about it, think about it with me. When you pull up to the church, our green team is amazing. Don't the yards and the, the lawns just look incredible? You come up and it looks beautiful. Our, our greeters don't just greet, they have learned to sing and dance. I watch them, they got this, mm, mm. Is that right, Anna? And they got this move, and it may not be with the beat, but who cares? They moving. They jamming. Our cafe team, if you're not happy, they will caffeinate you until you're happy. But we are glad when we came into the house of the Lord because coming to church gives us joy. Why do we prioritize it? The main reason is because God shows up when we come together. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. This is when the early church was meeting together, and here's what happened. The believers met together. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money that they had made with those who were in need. They worshiped together every day. We're only asking you to come on Sundays. Think about this. They were every day, and they met in homes, and they enjoyed the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meal with joy and generosity, and all the while they were praising God, and they were enjoying the goodwill. Some translations would say the favor of all the people, but the last line is the most important. When we come together, God shows up, and look what happens when we come. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's what it's all about. It's about reaching one more. 
Jesus said it's not the healthy people that need the doctor, it's the sick people that need the doctor. And so we come together and we share love and joy and peace when we're here as a church family so that when you leave, you will share love, joy, and peace in the places that you go. If we relegate the love and the joy and the peace, if we keep it and concentrate it here, we have failed miserably. Our job is not to just have church while we're here. Our job is to have church when we're out there. So just a quick forewarning, if you happen to see me at Walmart, call 911, because I'm not supposed to be there, ever, ever. No, if you see me at Walmart and you say, oh, hey, think about, pray for me, I'm gonna pray for you in the pasta aisle. Because Jesus can move at Walmart just as much as he can move at Spirit Church. You know you can probably find me at Chick-fil-A. I'm gonna pray for you at Chick-fil-A if I'm there at Chick-fil-A with you because it's not relegated, it's not limited to this building to where we are here. It's great that we come together and when we do, God shows up, but we can church anywhere. We can church anywhere and the missionaries in the room will back me up on that. You know, when we come together, we do so in unity and that's why we pray the Lord's Prayer as a church family. It reminds us of how Jesus taught us to pray his words it unifies us, that's the thing I love about it, because I have found, again, I've been in church forever, I have found that the devil will use anything to bring division to a church. You ever heard about those churches that fight over the color of the carpet? Like, serious? Why are you looking down? Look up. It don't matter if it's shag or green or orange, preferably not shag or green or orange in the new building, but it doesn't matter. You ever heard about people that get upset over the seating chart? Honey, this ain't an airplane. You ain't in 17B. Sit down. And if somebody's in your seat, make a friend. Sit down next to them. Come on. If we get upset about music styles, we get upset about political leanings. Recently, did you know that the devil used masks and vaccines to divide churches? I mean, how ridiculous could that be? We, we should never let these things separate us. Sometimes we get upset over translations of the Bible. Read the translation that best fits you and that you like the best. I prefer the New Living Translation. If you're NIV, you can be friends with me. I just made that up, by the way. Write that down, because I need to tell that in second service. That one was good. And while the devil wants to divide us, Jesus wants us to experience unity. Psalm 133, verse one is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. How wonderful and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Now that could say brothers and sisters, of course. Ephesians four, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, I, Paul, a prisoner serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Highlight, underline, circle, star, tweet, tattoo that one. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Bind yourselves together with peace for there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. So we emphasize the Lord's prayer because A, we believe in prayer, but B, we believe in unity. Now, I'm not done, but we haven't prayed the Lord's Prayer together as a church family today. So would you mind to stand with me this morning? And we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Some of you thought that Grant forgot to do it. I told him, don't you dare do it because it's part of the message. And he listened to me on this. This is a moment for us to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. 
for us to experience unity. If I was standing next to Robin, I'd be holding her hand during this time, and maybe you're near someone you love and you wanna take them by the hand, or maybe you wanna lift a hand towards heaven, but can we pray this prayer together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for the unity we have in this room? Amen. You can be seated. Why do we baptize people in water? Let's talk about that for just a second. We don't really see baptism in the Old Testament, but we do in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, when you read through the book of Leviticus, we see priests preparing to serve the Lord and they will wash themselves ceremonially ceremonially, so that they can serve, but that washing is not accompanied by repentance. They're just cleaning themselves to go into the temple. In the New Testament, baptism we know was not to cleanse. So we see John the Baptist baptizing people at the time of Jesus. He's the first person that we see baptizing. Mark chapter one and verse four. The messenger was John the Baptist and he was in the wilderness and he preached that people should be baptized. Why? to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. There's a real plain explanation of baptism right there. Why was he baptizing? To show that they had repented and that they had turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now we know from studying scripture that one of the people that John baptized in water was Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, it says Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who should be baptized by you, he said. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Can you imagine being John in this moment? I mean, don't drop him. <laughs> right? I mean, the gravity of this moment. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Sometimes we think about baptism wrong, and we say, I want to get baptized because I want to wash my sins away. Well, for following the example of Jesus, he had no sin to be washed away. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5 says, you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. So Jesus wasn't being baptized because the water to, to cleanse his sin, because water can't cleanse our sins, first of all, and because he had no sins to be cleansed of. Instead, baptism is symbolic of the work that Christ has done in our lives. First Peter chapter three and verse 21 shows it this way. The water is a picture of baptism which saves you. It saves you not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, jumping off the diving board into the pool won't baptize you. Baptism is only affected because Jesus died on the cross, and that's what the symbolism is, is that we have died to our old self, we have been forgiven of our sins, and he has brought about new life because of the work that he has done. The word baptism is the word immersion throughout scripture. It's to be dunked or to be immersed in water. And it's not just an immersion into the water, it's an immersion into Christ. Probably one of the easiest ways I've heard baptism described is baptism 
is an outward expression of an inward confession. It's an outward expression of an inward confession. And just real quick, I've seen before, and you probably have too, where sometimes people will baptize children by pouring water over their head or sprinkle water upon them. I've seen it done. It's a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. There's not necessarily a biblical precedent for it. So at Spirit Church, just so you know, we dedicate children unto the Lord just as Jesus was presented and dedicated to the Lord when he was eight days old. In fact, in the second service today, we're gonna, we're gonna dedicate a child to the Lord. We, we let baptism come later in life when the child or the individual has made that decision to follow Christ and has more of, a, more of an understanding of what is taking place in their life. Just wanted to let you know that because baptism is a powerful way of showcasing what God has done in our lives. Next week, we're going to baptize in water in both services. We'll have it set up right here. And I encourage you, if you've never been baptized, get signed up to be baptized. It's so easy. You can go to spirit.church slash sign up. You can sign up right there online. Bring a change of clothes with you. We'll provide towels for you. But more importantly, invite all your family and friends to come and to see you get baptized. I have watched this in ministry be the greatest evangelistic tool the church has is to go, that guy's getting baptized? I knew there was something different about him. I knew there was a change that has taken place in your life. And it's a great testimony for you to say, I once was this way, but Jesus came in and changed my heart and made me new. And now I'm not just forgiven of my sins, but I'm affiliating myself with the Father. You know, that's what Jesus did because he wasn't being forgiven of his sins when he went under the water. But when he came out, there was a direct affiliation with the Father. The heavens opened, the Spirit rested on him like a dove, and the voice from heaven said, this is my son, this is my child in whom I am pleased. Why do we receive communion? That's our last one today. You probably received communion when you came in. If not, in just a few moments, I'll have our ushers come to help you. We receive communion because we remember the first Passover. That's where it started. In the book of Exodus, chapter 12, the children of Israel had been slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and it was time for them to go and to be free and to make their way to the promised land. But Pharaoh was mean, and his heart was hard, and he wouldn't let God's people go. And there was a series of plagues that took place, and finally the tenth plague, the final one, the plague of the death angel. God instructed the Hebrew people to, to take the blood of an animal, of a perfect spotless lamb, to spread it over the doorpost and doorframe of their house. And he gave them these instructions in Exodus 12. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt. I will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male in the land of Egypt. And I will execute judgment against the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. And God fulfilled that. He did that. And the children of Israel saw, or saw that. The, the angel passed over them. The death angel passed over them. And they were then delivered. And so for generations to come, they continued to share Passover together. In fact, Jesus ate the Passover meal in Mark chapter 14 and verse 22. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take it for this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to them and they all drank for it, from it and he said, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink of it again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus basically said in that moment, I have become Passover for you. 
I've become the lamb. So the, the lambs, you've been slaughtering lambs, and now I'm the, the perfect spotless lamb. Put my blood over the doorposts of your heart, not of your home. So this is my body, this is my blood, and it's for you. This morning we're going to transition into a time of communion, and I want to show you some scriptures from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And while I'm reading these, if you haven't received communion, just slip up a hand, our ushers are ready, and they'll sneak down the aisle to make sure that, that you have that. Paul instructs us to follow Jesus' example. Normally we would start in verse 23, but I want to start you in verse 27. He says, anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before you eat the bread and drink the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourselves. It's very important that we come to the Lord's table to receive the communion or the Lord's supper, if you will, with a, with a clean heart. Last week I shared with you Psalm 51 where David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So if you go to verse 31 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, if we would examine ourselves, we wouldn't be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we won't be condemned along with the world. It's very important that we examine the condition of our heart before we receive communion. That we ask the Lord, would there be sin in my life? Or is there unforgiveness that I haven't dealt with? This week, have I said things or looked at things or engaged in practices or activities that are not pleasing to you? And we take that moment of introspection. And we allow the Holy Spirit gently to point out to us the areas of our life that need to improve. We seek his forgiveness and he's faithful and just to forgive us. And then we know when we come before his table, we come with a clean conscience. I'm telling you all this today, especially for those of you who are parents in the room. This is so important for you to share with your children that this isn't just a ritual or a tradition or something we do every third or fourth Sunday when we're together. This is a powerful experience that we share. In fact, as you study church history, the church in the first and second centuries, the main reason they were gathering was not to sing or not to hear the word, but it was to receive the Lord's communion. They wanted to sing, they wanted to worship, but they also wanted to remember the sacrifice of the Savior. So now we back up to Paul's words. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he says, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In the book of Romans, we see Paul writing about communion in Romans chapter eight. That's that chapter I was referencing earlier. The law of Moses was unable to save us. What does that mean? Sacrifices, they, they couldn't save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, the body of Jesus, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature. Instead, we follow the spirit. 
You see, we do churchy things because we are churchy people. And, and hear me on this, church will not save you, but Jesus will save you. But you have a higher probability of being like and acting like and living like Jesus when you're surrounding yourself with other people who are also trying to be like and live like and act like Jesus. As we prepare communion this morning, we first have to examine our hearts. And so I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and I'm gonna ask you a simple question. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you accepted him as savior and Lord? Today, you have a perfect opportunity to receive the salvation and forgiveness that he offers to you. Today, you have an opportunity to say yes to him and to allow all your past, all your sin, all your failures to be forgiven and by him forgotten so that you can approach his throne humbly and boldly in the grace that he provides to you. And maybe you're here and you've said yes to Jesus at some point, but you've, you've changed. You've walked away from your faith a little bit. God hasn't changed. He's still, he welcomes you into his family. He's here to receive you. This morning, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you and for you. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus, whether this morning would be the first time or you just need to rededicate yourself, would you just slip up a hand? I've already seen one or two that have gone up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. At least five hands that have gone up this morning. Thank you for those who have, who have lifted your hands. There's another one. Thank you. Again, it's, it's never about the numbers. It's about the story that God is doing, the testimony, the narrative that is being written about your life. For those of you who have lifted your hands and maybe those who are watching online and you're agreeing with this, just put the word yes in that text box. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. And so I think we should pray a prayer of confession this morning. I'm gonna ask everybody together, let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you keep your head bowed for just a second now that we've had that opportunity, would you just begin to talk to the Lord? Lord, if there be sin in my life, Lord, if this week my attitude or my actions have been displeasing to you, would you forgive me? Would you help me, God? I wanna live in a way that honors and glorifies you at all times. You've done so much. I wanna live a life worthy of the calling you have placed upon my life. And then just transcends in that to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done for me. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior, that cursed tree. Sing this part, his body bound. His body bound and drenched in tears. 
They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance by heavy stone Messiah's death and all Would you stand with me? Let's sing Oh Praise the Name of the Lord our God And oh praise the name of the Lord our God Oh praise His name forevermore for endless days we will sing your praise oh Lord oh Lord our God sing with me one more time oh praise oh praise the name of the Lord oh praise back that layer revealing the bread and if you take that in your hand Lord Jesus thank you for your body which was given for us we receive this today as we remember your sacrifice in Jesus name amen and then if you carefully remove the top where the juice is Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood, which has never lost its power. It's the blood that saves us. It's the blood that heals us. It's the blood that breaks every addiction, every bondage. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, we remember you. Amen. Let's receive together. Thank you, Lord. Set that down and just begin to praise him. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you have done for us, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Before we, before we dismiss, I'd like to pray a prayer blessing over you. So if you feel comfortable, raise your hands. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week.